0: Welcome to Hedge Fund Tips with Tom Hayes. I'm Tom Hayes and this is your 165th videocast, 155th podcast for the week ending December 15th, 2022. We have a ton to cover this week, so we're going to get right down to it first with the media and then on to the meat and potatoes. So first and foremost, I would like to thank uh, Melanie Kapadia. Kat Myers, Stu Oppenheim, Cheryl Cassoni, and Liz Klayman for having me on Fox Business, the Klayman Countdown, on Friday. Uh, we discussed uh, one key idea uh, into the end of the year. Then I want to thank uh, Phil Yin and Dalal Pektas for having me on CGTN America Friday night to discuss three ideas, and you can uh, view those in the article of the week which we're going to get to also want to thank Zoltan Saranyi and Adam Eckert for having me in their article on Benzinga and finally uh Anuran Mitra for having me in his article over at Seeking Alpha this was the girls uh swim team Christmas party holiday party uh earlier this week uh they're growing up quickly Uh, Mimi had her uh Deer antlers that lit up and uh, Annabelle had her Christmas tree ornaments, uh, certainly a great time in that time of year. Uh, and then we want to get to the quote of the day. I love this from David Tepper. He's a, one of the best special situations guys uh, in history, in my view. Uh, and he says, I think when it comes to decisions, I try not to be emotional, to drown out the noise and look at the important facts. We're going to talk about a lot of important facts right now. Um, also, I uh, want to get two big elephants out of the room. So the stock market sold off. I think it was down a thousand points today. Now it's down 600 or whatever it is. But you need to really just step back and put things in perspective. <laughs> we had a 16.3% rally. If you remember this day, literally to this day, I was on Benzingo with Money Mitch, Mitch Hawk. Uh, and the S&P was down. I think it was 15. 3590 when I was on and I was saying, look, you need to be buying stuff here and here's why. We had a huge 16% rally. No one was positioned for it. Few people got excited up here. So naturally Powell had to knock the wind out of the sails, but look up 16%. We've given back 5%. I, I actually now I think it's a little less. Uh, now that we're later in the day, uh, let's see if I can, I don't know if this will refresh or not. Uh, yeah, so it's probably 4.9%. So up 16.3 down 4.9, like literally take a breath and we will, we'll, we'll go into that. That's the name of the, uh, article of the week. So hang tight there. Also, I put this out earlier this week for those worried about the PPI, CPI and 1970 style inflation hang tight. Uh, inflation doesn't last long with, when M2 money supply is collapsing. This is something very few people are talking about because very few people understand. The last instance was mid-cycle of a secular bull market from 1992 to 1993. This is the six-month change in money supply growth and it's actually negative. The last time that it was negative was 1993. And if you remember, uh, from 91 to 93, there were a lot of layoffs and the stock market did just fine. Uh, Powell has committed to laying off a million people or getting a million people fired in the next few months. That was his plan that he laid out yesterday. Uh, whether he can see that through or not, uh, and the bond market lets him remains to be seen. I think the market is calling BS, uh, and we'll get, get into that right now. When you look at the uh, 10-year yield at 344, the 2-year yield at, uh, 424, and the effective Fed funds rate now at 425 to 450. It's telling you everything you need to know. Uh, it's calling BS. But when the market acts a little erratic, what we like to do is, uh, go to, when, when the fundamentals make no sense, we like to go to some technicals. Uh, and we're gonna go through a bunch of these. I went through about 400 today. Uh, cause nothing better to do with my time, apparently. But, uh, here's the NASDAQ volume McClellan summation index. You can see, um, you know, this is a normal kind of correction level, uh, down here around negative 250 to negative 500. Uh, you, you know, so this, this really mimics the pandemic lows. This is, uh, this mimics the 2018 December lows when Powell also threw the, uh, threw the stock market off the cliff. Uh, and then had to backtrack overnight. Uh, it mimics the 2015 and 2016 lows, the 2011 and 2012 lows, what, uh, the 2006 lows, the 2004 lows, what it doesn't yet mimic or maybe will never mimic is, is our base case. It does not mimic the 2008, 2009 where this went all the way down to negative 2041 and it doesn't mimic the 2001, 2002 when this went to negative uh 1919 but it does mimic again the 1998 it does mimic the 1997 it does mimic the 1991 the 1994 the 1996 corrections uh which were mild and you came out of it and and went on to make new highs so uh that kind of puts things in perspective cuz everyone is anchored to their recency bias around 2008 and 2001 uh, and while that's not impossible, it's, it's a lower, lower probability at this point. And as we always say, amateurs play in absolutes, professionals deal in probabilities. This was kind of a new indicator I came across as I was going through hundreds of them today. It's called the Golden Cross NASDAQ Composite. And all the Golden Crosses is when the 50 crosses the 200 on the upside. Uh, and this is across the, the whole NASDAQ Composite. And unfortunately, the data only goes back uh six years uh but it's worth taking a look at because you could see when it got down to these levels below 20 and was starting to recover so was the nasdaq and that's exactly what's happening right here here we had a double dip but now we're coming out of that and it was just like the pandemic lows we're basically at the levels we were in june of uh 2020 where no one was a believer and everyone was saying we're going to go back down and make new lows and sure enough we had one of the best rallies in history uh, and benefited from that so moving right along here's the golden cross of the s&p mid cap same story it's making a little more progress and recovery and these type of pullbacks here you know up 16 and then back four this is what has to happen to shake out the non-believers and the weak sisters because the vast majority of people didn't buy down here on october 13th when we were pounding the table on mitch's show they bought up here after the 16 percent rally and sure enough, we got a 4 four or 5% pullback. We'll see where where the day ends. Um, uh, same thing here you saw in 2020. You got this nice pullback to shake out all the weak sisters. You also had it here on the way up and here on the way up. We had one here. We're probably right here on the second one on the way up. Uh, and the same thing here in 2019. So this happens over and over and over. You just have to, you know been around long enough, have a couple gray hairs to just know what's what the hell's going on uh here is the opposite in example where the s and p energy golden cross is not near levels where it's coming out and recovering it's near levels where it's um uh well extended and as a matter of fact i have i should have the x l e in the background versus the um yeah there you go so you know these historically again this is only six years of data, but this is where you want to be a seller of um energy equities not a buyer down here when it was coming out like we're talking about with tech that's where you wanted to be a buyer uh and that's how we're we're thinking about things golden cross on communication services we talked about this in recent weeks that uh communication services and consumer distraction discretionary were going to be the top uh among the top earning sectors for 2023 you can't give away the communication sectors uh and um you know we we talked about amazon on the uh cgtn um hit and uh and we think that group there's going to be some opportunity in that group for 2023 same thing here's the technology again coming out of that this is where you want to be a buyer this is where you want to be a seller uh and so on and so forth here's the nasdaq stocks above the 200 day uh, uh exponential moving average and again You only get down to these levels around 10 by the time you're at the bottom. Even in the two um, uh, um, not common crashes of 2002 and 2009, uh, we got down to those levels in this instance, and that was really near, right near the bottom not near a top 2011 was was a better model for what we've experienced right now down around 10 versus down around three Uh, but but when you got down to these levels the bottom was in and you were you were making new new highs and no one right now is having that feeling on the Nasdaq uh, and that's why I think that the opportunity is going to be there and note in 2009 this meaning it looks like nothing in retrospect on this long-term chart but it was a relatively meaningful pullback in late 2009 to shake everyone out. You had the same thing in 2003. You're having the same thing right now, uh, and that's just the way it goes because everyone, not everyone, we didn't, but most people miss that first up move. They chase it, and then the market knocks them out, and that's exactly what they did to them today. Uh, and that's why you see all the crazy you know people selling into their margin calls, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, same thing here with the small cap stocks. Which, by the way, we're going to show a picture on that, just showing the the divergence between small cap multiples and large cap multiples and the opportunity that's going to be in small caps in 2023. Same type of story, got down to this 10 level, uh, small cap stocks above the 200 EMA, did the same thing in the great financial crisis, did the same thing in 2011, did the same thing in the first Powell debacle in 2018, doing the same thing in the second Powell debacle in 2022. Uh, and did the same thing during the pandemic, went even lower, went to that 2009 level. But, you know, we're coming out of it, and that's exactly what happens. This looks a lot like 2009. You come out of it in 2009, you get this huge pullback here, pullback here. Similar thing in the pandemic lows. You come out, you get this pullback. Uh, you come out, and you get this pullback in 2003 before you take off for multi-year runs. Doesn't guarantee anything, but we're talking probabilities here and not uh, absolutes. Uh Same thing with this story. I think this is mimicking certainly 2015 to 2016 is a good thing to look at because you had this kind of double dip, which is what we've just had now. And then when you're coming out, you get a pullback, and then you have a multi-year. After a little turbulence in 2016, you had a multi-year run. Similar thing in 2011. You kind of had this, uh you know, double one, two, three dip, and then you had this monster pullback after the bottom. So you see here, one, two, monster pullback here, maybe down to this level. Uh, And then you took off to new highs. Then you had a pullback in 2012, but it was a multi-year run for four years. Uh, Again, no guarantees, but we're playing probabilities here. NASDAQ declining issues. This got down to negative 0.38, similar to the pandemic lows, similar to the 2009 lows. Uh, Even the 2001 lows didn't get that bad for the NYSE declining issues tricks. Uh, And then after that, you got a recovery. Next, the um, NASDAQ um, 1% EMA advanced decline ratio, again, looking very much like this double dip in 2015 before you took off. You took out the lows and then you took off just like we did uh, in October and then took off. And then you get your pullback similar to 2011 and 2012, a little double bottom. Then you take off, take the weak sisters out, pull it back halfway, and then you're back off to the races. I don't know if we'll have to pull this back halfway, which would be an 8% correction or 9% correction instead of a 4 or 5% correction. But, um, either way, it's, you know, it's in line with history. Take the weak sisters out that jumped on after the 16% move. Uh, here is the Nasdaq Zahor Chalk Method Alternate. Again, you know, this is what you want to see in these type of situations. This again is, is looking a lot like 2015 and 2016, uh, where you get this short-term double dip. Same thing with 2011, short-term double dip. You can see how 2008 and 2009 and 2000 to 2003 is much different. You get these long, wide, disgusting, uh, um, uh, periods where it just stays at this negative 10 point. Here we bounced right off of it, doing a back check like in 11 and 12, doing a back check like in uh, 15 and 16, uh, similar to 84 and 85, and even, uh, 1982. So, um, which we've used as a, as an analog many times. Uh, here we go. Now is that composite tape index. Uh, similar type of story. You got a few checkbacks like 2015, 2016, etc., cetera, etc. So, um, and you can even—I don't know how far this one goes back. Yeah. So you know, 82 again. You have this cluster, and then you take off. So moving along onto the uh, here's the small cap index that we wanted to cover. Uh, This shows the uh, small cap PE relative to the S&P 500. And you can see that it's the multiple on, this is very similar. You know, what you saw, what we've been pounding the table on is emerging markets in China as the trade for the next few years. Uh, But similarly, um, what also outperformed from 2003 to 2007 was, uh, small caps. So the setup is similar. That's, that's why we're in like the Cooper standards. That's why we're in, uh, obviously Alibaba. That's why we're in, we're, we're positioned for all of this and, and, uh, and it's starting to play out already even before the end of the year. And I think as we move into 2023 and beyond, uh, they're going to be the new leaders coming out of this correction. Uh, here's why Amazon is city's top internet stock idea. So that's that. Uh, I don't know why I got blocked out of this. Where do I log in? Okay. All right. So Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, and nine other top Wall Street firms share their predictions for stocks in the economy in 2023. Uh, Very pessimistic across the board. Actually, shockingly, Deutsche Bank is the most optimistic with a uh, 4,500. By the way, at the beginning of this year, going into this year, 2022 – uh, consensus was up 15% for the year. Instead, we'll finish probably down 15% after a little bit of, of a Santa Claus rally uh, of one or two percent. Um, so now, uh, other than Deutsche Bank, which is uncommon for a European bank to actually be bullish, uh, they've got their price target at 4,500. Uh, Oppenheimer's at 4,400. BMO's at uh, 4,300. JP Morgan's at 4,200, which is just a 5% gain. Credit Suisse, no one cares. Bank of America is at 4,000, which is flat. They're expecting zero gains for 2023. Uh, Goldman's flat. Citigroup, flat. These are all the same, uh, banks that, oh, oh, Citi's projecting a loss of two, two and a half percent. These are all the exact same banks that thought we'd be up 15 to 20 percent this year, uh, are now pessimistic. Oh, here we go. A European bank, uh, negative 2.5 percent uh etc. So I think when you when you just been around long enough when everyone's pessimistic probably the opposite's going to happen and and the excitement's going to come from an area that no one can see or predict at the moment. Uh Wharton professor Jeremy Siegel expects unemployment to spike but says that could help US escape a recession. Uh, expects labor market downturn to help the U.S. avoid a recession, sees more productive workers shoring up growth and corporate profit mar- margins. Weaker jobs data could lead the Fed to stop hiking interest rates and end its war on inflation. I think that's important. Um, it'll be very interesting to see. We'll get the February jobs report. Often people, you know, January, December tends to be a stronger month for employment because you have the seasonal hiring and you also have, uh, people not wanting to lay people off before the holidays. Uh, but I think when, you know, we're going to get two jobs reports, uh, the, the January, which is December, first Friday of January, but the first Friday of February uh, could be very, very important because if people are going to lay off, they're going to do so in January after the holidays. Um, and uh, and I think Jeremy Siegel is going to be right. Moving along, Bill Ackman says um, the Fed's inflation target isn't realistic anymore. We've been saying that. They're going to I mean, they won't acknowledge it, but they should be playing for three percent, not two percent, because our debt to GDP is one hundred twenty percent, not thirty percent like it was when Volcker was jacking up rates. Uh, it becomes unsustainable. If you think about it. Um, in order to service the debt, which is the uh, debt line item is now, I think, larger than Medicare, uh we don't collect enough taxes to do that. So in order to service these new debt payments, which used to be much lower and now are at uh you know T bills are at you know 4.2%, um up from zero, um, they have to print more money. So actually hiking rates is more inflationary than everyone anyone is even thinking about. And at some point uh, people are going to figure that out when Congress starts looking at the line items and they do debt ceilings and they have these standoffs about spending, et cetera. They're going to realize that they're not overspending. It's the interest expense caused by none other than Jay Powell. Uh, and the only way to pay it is to create more inflation by printing money. So he's going to have to, to knock it off and, um, Uh, we'll we'll talk about that in the article of the week. Jay Powell's grim inflation outlook is at odds with the markets. Basically, the the markets aren't buying it. We said that yesterday in our article. Uh, Bond king Jeffrey Gunlack says inflation threat is fading fast and the Fed should end its interest rate hikes now. We agree. No one knows more about the bond market than Jeffrey Gunlack. Uh, BA uh, stock rises amid largest 787 Dreamliner order in Boeing history. So that's good to see. Uh, They're recovering and and everything related to that's going to recover. Bank of China offers loans to ease developers liquidity. So they're, you know, continuing to do that. Morgan Stanley, Chinese stocks to outperform global peers. Morgan Stanley says, same guys who said it was uninvestable at the lows. Uh, But opinion follows trend. How China's COVID exit could boost Europe and Latin America. Um, That's from Regma Kapadia, which is nice to see. Then you've got U.S. stock slide as investors weigh up robust economic data. Uh, Okay, I'm I'm not sure. I think that's the wrong article. Uh, Shanghai Disneyland reopens this week uh, as uh, business in China welcome COVID control easing. Uh, So that was good to see. Disney Shanghai opened. And then uh, moving right along, China's muted inflation leaves room for policy stimulus. We covered that uh extensively last week. Their PPI fell 1.3% and their CPI is at 1.6%. They've been loading up with oil from Russia. So they have no problem. They can print money till the cows come home uh, and uh and stimulate the economy. Unlike the Western world, which is boxed with high debt levels, uh they and and in, in you know inflation fears, which are now completely rolling over. Just look at M2 if you want to know what inflation is going to look like in 2023. Uh, but, uh, this is gonna be the game. And by the way, this is what, although China and emerging markets and small caps are gonna dramatically outperform everything else, this is actually a rising tide's gonna lift all boats. China's basically been shut for three years. They're gonna come back online just while the developing world is slowing, uh, due to, to monetary policy. And you saw that today with the, uh, ECB, uh, or, uh, BOE raising rates 50 basis points, um, uh, China's, China's gonna start to grow again, and that's gonna add some soft support for Europe and for the United States. Uh, that's not priced into these models of negative two and a half percent. Uh, all this bearishness from the people that were bullish going into this year. Moving along, Xi stays silent as COVID strategy. He champion crumbles, hasn't commented on COVID since major change. So the key here is we're at this inflection where it's it's, um, uh, it's it's kind of a let it rip strategy. And the key is, will he have the fortitude not to blink because his whole country is going to get infected? Um, what they've been trying to do is control the message and say, don't worry, it's just like the flu. Omicron is just like the flu. Um, and um, when he gets his first, you know, 500,000, uh, you know, he'll probably get a couple hundred thousand deaths, maybe 500,000 or a million serious cases. The hospitals will be overflowed. You'll see tent cities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because they don't have good vaccines yet. Um, although the nasal one is supposed to be okay, but it's, they should just have the mRNA vaccines and get on with it. But leaving leaving that aside, um, will he flinch? Because what's going to happen is if they let it run and they do follow through with their let it rip strategy within three weeks, there's going to be a level of of short-term natural immunity. Like when you get it, it's very hard to get it in the next four to six months. You can get it after that, but, uh, or as the variants change, et cetera. But by and large, once you get that natural immunity, things go with or without the vaccines. Uh, and, and if he's, if he's got the will to stick through the pushback as people, you know, there'll be some people that die um and that's just you know sad but um uh if he does see it through the next three to four weeks and doesn't blink which he's going to have cover not to blink other than the hospitals are going to overflow the cover's going to be cases are coming down officially because there's no testing uh so so he might be able to just declare victory look the other way uh set up these tent cities and uh get on with with business China stocks are a buy on reopening, top money managers say. So again, opinion follows trend with most of these 60, 70% off the lows. Um, the other big news, uh we're going to get to the big news in just a second. But uh, Beijing approves mRNA vaccines for German nationals in China. That's big news uh, because that's the first step if they, you know, I guess if they see that they don't die, they'll, they'll allow their people to use it. I, I don't know what they've been watching. Like for the last two years, the rest of the world has used it successfully and their economies have gotten back. But I guess they need to prove it to themselves before they take the correct action. Uh, Alibaba to invest heavily in live stream commerce with influencer growth plan and celebrity participation. This is going to be a major thing because some of the fast growing like Pinduoduo and some of the competitors have been doing it with great success. And Baba will be able to take Taobao, which is embedded in the minds of Chinese People clone it and, and just rock and roll as, uh, people take all that saved up money they've had from the last two years, uh, and, uh, and start to spend. Morgan Stanley upgrades its 2023 outlook for China, expect stronger and earlier rebound. This is just comical, but, uh, part of the process. Now, what happened today? We got the PCAOB, um, basically acknowledgement that China was cooperating with the audit, um, which is what we were looking for as a catalyst into year end. Now, we happened to get it on the same day that the market was selling off and people were getting margin calls because they're positioned sideways ahead of this fed, you know, silly thing in the short term. But, um, I think as the dust settles, uh, moving forward, this is basically, uh, what they're saying is, quote, the U.S. Congress sent a clear message in passing the holding companies foreign, uh, holding foreign companies accountable act. Uh, et Etc. et cetera, before determining that the PCAOB, sell discretion, select the firms. Okay. So they did uh, Coopers, which is PCAOB. And what am I uh, Immediately uh, later open. PCAOB inspectors and investigators were able to view complete audit work papers with all information included. And the PCAOB, was able to retain information as needed. They reviewed thousands of pages of audit documentation on site in Hong Kong. Uh, all requested information was provided to the PCAOB in a timely met without exception. Um, it's had direct access to interview and take testimonial from all personnel associated with the audits. The PCAOB inspected or investigated. Investors are now better protected, etc. 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 So uh basically you you have here we got all the information we'll put out our formal report uh early next year but this is basically saying that they are compliant with the requests and they, and uh what it says now is the ones that were in the early stages not all of them but Alibaba and a couple others uh will be able to remain listed in the US which i think this is going to be very very promising once we get through this short term noise of um of uh um uh, Powell who who has this Volker fantasy which is never going to happen. So uh China's top medical advisor says Omicron risks the same as the flu, covered that. China to hold meeting on economic targets despite COVID COVID outbreak. So they're just getting on with business and wearing masks and etc. Um Hong Kong scraps COVID-19 entry restrictions in last reopening move. So Hong Kong uh, China halts location tracking app as COVID restrictions fall. Uh, senior uh this is very very important senior us officials visit china hold talks with foreign minister so this was a high level delegation this is um it's aimed to follow up on uh joe biden's recent talks with uh xi jinping and prepare for secretary blinken's visit there early next year so blinken is going to secretary of state blinken is going to visit early next year that's going to be a very very positive development in january so the foundation is being laid the ice is thawed and uh, now they're communicating and moving forward on things that they can each uh, benefit from uh bank of america survey says investors are less gloomy on growth over china uh, so optimism around china growth surges inflation seen easing Relative positioning of stocks versus bonds versus uh, lowest since 2009. We're going to get into this survey in a minute. China's new COVID approach is to, quote, let it rip, analyst says. We covered that. And then uh here's from Sumit, uh, who's been a, a longtime follower of this podcast. Uh Alipay is the first payment platform to support China's national digital currency. Remember, Baba owners own a third of Alipay. And, um... Uh... I'm sorry, uh, excuse me, Alipay is the first payment to own a third of Ant. Alipay uh, users will be able to use China's digital yuan on Baba's sites such as Taobao, Elimi, and Freshippo. Again, this just shows that the Chinese government needs Alibaba. Baba needs the Chinese government, and especially as it comes to the chips moving forward, they've got the AI chips for the cloud. Everything is falling into place. Uh, for the Chinese government to move ahead on their initiatives and for BABA to move ahead with their initiatives, it's a mutually dependent relationship now. Whereas a year ago, it was just the Chinese government beating up on them. Uh, and that's that's stopped now. Uh, here's another one from State Street saying Chinese equities are the place to invest for 2023. So again, opinion follows trend, but it's all coming at once, which is very good to see um china to expand economy offset bullying by turning domestic market into gravitational field boost plan china has set out plans to boost ec- uh, domestic demand and open up the economy to more investment uh, expanding its domestic market will help counter unilateralism protectionism and uh, bullying says the state council so they've got to drive domestic consumption the biggest beneficiary of that is alibaba ctrip.com uh share surge after strong results and amid expectations of the end of zero COVID in China will spark travel boom, uh, pent up demand. We, we saw it here in the West, uh, and we're going to see it in China, which is going to be helpful for all things, uh, in China. Uh, China, Pfizer's Paxlovid approved in China. State Council emphasizes this domestic consumption. This is huge. So the Pfizer's Paxlovid is the first step. As they see that working, they'll probably allow the mRNA mac- vaccine in and then COVID's basically done over there, which is exciting. Um. Uh, okay. And the Central Committee and State Council announced release of quote of a strategic plan for expanding do- domestic consumption demand unquote. The report noted consumption accounts for 50% of GDP making it the second largest consumer economy globally as 24.5% of retail sales took place online in 2021. Remember we have the central economic work conference the big economic meeting that will very likely articulate specific policies to support domestic consumption remember that export-driven manufacturing is slowing as global demand slows domestic consumption must rise to offset this weakness which explains the policy pivot on both covid zero and real estate which have been two uh, headwinds to consumption so that's now changing all the things that we've been waiting for are coming into place and uh, China's leaders plot to pivot back towards boosting economy. Senior officials are setting up robust GDP growth target of more than 5% for next year as they loosen COVID rules and de-emphasize ideology. So while they're setting up for 5%, Powell's trying to force this down to five point five percent real GDP for next year uh, and uh, lay off a million more people, which is entirely unnecessary. Uh, Moderna's mRNA cancer vaccine shows promise in preliminary study. This is huge. So you're having breakthroughs now. You had the big deal, uh, earlier this week. Um, uh, the biotech got taken out. The one Paulson owns, um, uh, it'll, it'll come to me later, but, uh, you can just Google it. So we had more deal activity again and we had, um, uh moderna's mrna cancer vaccine shows promise in preliminary study then we had the uh alzheimer's drugs in recent weeks so those are the two catalysts for uh uh, biotech uh, which is one of our holdings as a basket to continue to come up off of those may lows uh they've come up quite a bit but we think this is going to continue to work to new highs over the next couple of years like the 2016 to 2018 model during that tightening cycle uh, and the catalysts are going to be continued deals. we got a big one this week and continued breakthroughs, which is going to drive more money into the sector uh, as things start to happen on the drug front and the approval front. Uh, Bank of America Global Fund Manager Survey. We're going to cover the top four points in our article of the week and do the uh, ask me anything questions at the end. So the uh, article of the week is called Take a Breath, B-R-E-A-D-T-H. Uh, we'll tell you why in a minute stock market and sentiment results uh this is the guy from office space that movie from uh, 20 years ago with uh with the girl from friends and etc so uh while no one was excited about the terminal rate being pushed to 5.1% yesterday from 4.6% the fed's uh, in the fed's dot plot the market doesn't believe it anyway the 2 year uh, treasury yield closed at uh it's today it's 4.24 uh, now below the effective Fed funds rate of 425 to 450. The first move in equities following the FOMC decision is often the wrong move. So we'll see how things play out in coming sessions after the dust settles. So we'll see today. Tomorrow's an option expiration day. So I wouldn't, you know, pay too much heat to that. But, um, so we're down more. It looks like we're getting a little bit of strength into the close. Um, and, um, and that's that. So uh, covered, you can watch the Fox and the CNBC here. We won't spend time on that right now. Uh, headline CPI was up 1.1 percent month on month, came in much better than expectations on Tuesday. If that pace persists, we'll be below 3% by May, currently at 7.1%. And the Fed's preferred metric of core PCE uh, would be much lower than the Fed is projecting. They're currently projecting 3.5% for 2023 if CPI comes down from seven, one to 3% by May, I think you're going to see, uh, you know, uh, core PCE probably in the ones, which would be mind boggling. Um, I'm sorry, not in the ones you probably see it, you know, in, in probably the high twos to mid two somewhere in there. Uh, and you can see bespoke has laid out how it gets there, uh, at that level of growth down to May. And, uh, And then June, you know, it keeps going down to the low ones. And and that's a sign of a real slowdown. So, you know, be careful what you wish for is kind of the same. What they should be wishing for is 3% consistent inflation for the next three to five years. So we can bring down debt to GDP from 120% down to 60% like we did in post-World War II. The last time debt to GDP was 120%. They brought it down to 63% in five years by running inflation above trend three to 5% for five years, and it was perfectly fine. Um, as active as the last two days felt, the reality is bond yields came down, stocks were around flat, now they're, you know, well, I mean, they're down more than flat, but, uh, in the scheme of things, they're basically flat for the last month. I mean, if you go back to November 14th, nothing, nothing much has changed. Um, and then, um, US dollar continued to weaken today, was up a little bit. That hurt China stocks, but um and the uh uh VIX started coming down yesterday. I don't know what it's doing today, it's probably up a little bit today. But our base case is that the data between now and February will continue to show a decline in headline inflation as we saw on Tuesday, yielding a maximum of one more hike of twenty-five basis points in February, and then a long pause to see the lagged effects of this aggressive tightening cycle, probably one or two cuts by the back half of next year, by the way. Uh, so breath and more with a D. Uh, when you step back and take a breath, you will see that things are improving. The percentage of stocks trading above a specific moving average is a breath indicator that measures the internal strength or weakness of the underlying index. These indicators measure the degree of participation. In the first example, we've charted S&P 500 stocks above the 200-day moving average six out of six times over the past 20 years when this indicator dropped below 20 And then subsequently exceeded 60. It was the beginning of a multi-year rally. We have recently closed above 60 after dropping below 20 earlier this year. So you can see below 20, above 60. Multi-year rally, below 20. Above 60, multi-year rally. Below 20, above 60. Multi-year rally, below 20. Above 60, multi-year rally. Below 20, above 60. 60, Multi-year rally, below 20, above 60 multi-year rally so now we below 20 we're back above 60. you see you get these checkbacks here just to fake out the weak sisters and we'll see if this leads to a multi-year rally will it prove to be correct seven out of seven times we don't know but as we always say amateurs deal in absolutes and professionals deal in probabilities the odds favor some meaningful follow-through over the next six to 12 months next we have the s p stocks above their 50-day moving average each time this indicator dropped below five percent and subsequently closed above 90%, it led to multi-year rally in the S&P 500. Note, in late 2011, after the indicator triggered, you had a small consolidation pullback before commencing the three-year rally in stocks. Again, below 5, above 90, multi-year rally, 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 below 5, above 90, below below 5, above 90, below five and now we're we did above 90 so let's see if we get a multi-year rally or not credit spreads are coming down from 5.99 percent earlier this year uh just a few months ago now dropped down to 4.34 uh recently so this looks very much to me like uh 2011 and 2012. you had the heart attack just like you had in 2020 then you go down, then you have the aftershock in 2011 and 2012 after 2009, just like we had. And then you trade down, and then you have one little aftershock there, uh, similar to, uh, also 2005. You had the heart attack in 2003, then you traded down and then you had this little aftershock, then you traded down. So you're getting these, these secondary peaks, uh, and then trend down. And these, after you have the heart attack, it tends to last years and years. Before you go into another heart attack. So, uh, I think we've got some runway here and, uh, and that'll be a good thing. Nasdaq McClellan summation index is working its way back higher after reaching a capitulatory negative 1000 level earlier this year. Uh, so we see all these instances of negative 1000 were times to be buyers versus sellers. Uh, and, uh, VIX is trending down, uh, here. Maybe we got a little spike up today. Uh, options skew price price and demand to ensure one and two standard deviation out of the money moves is washed out at the lows, um, which means there's low demand from smart money to ensure after the house is already burned down. So smart money doesn't put on uh, one and two standard deviation moves after the market's already corrected 35% peak to trough in the case of the NASDAQ, 25 in the S&P. Uh, and as you can see when the market, when this level gets down, you want to be concerned when this level is elevated because they're starting to prepare for catastrophes ahead of the catastrophes. Uh, it's usually months ahead. Uh, after the catastrophe happens, they're not buying that stuff and neither should you be. Um, uh, so, uh, it, this is the time to be selling that catastrophic, uh, cat, cat insurance, basically. Um, also, the 10-day put-call ratio has reached capitulatory levels. The dumb money is paying up for short-term at-the-money insurance, similar to the pandemic and the December 2018 lows. You can see it here. It's basically where where it was at the pandemic lows and also at the Powell first debacle lows in December of 2018. Uh, more on the Fed. Um, note the hawkish talk in the statement tempered by a recognition of the lagged effect and saying data-dependent moving forward. In short more double talk why do they keep talking out of both sides of their mouths because they have no clue what's going to happen just as they projected a one percent fed funds rate for 2022 which is now at 4.25 to 4.50 uh it's equally unlikely their 5.1 projection above will be correct for 2023 as a matter of fact by the end of 2023 they could be back below four for all we know um But here's the language in determining the pace of future increases in the target range. The committee will take into account the cumulative tightening and monetary policy, the lags with which monetary policy affects economic activity and inflation and economic and financial developments. The committee will continue to monitor the implications of incoming information for the economic outlook. committee would be prepared to adjust the stance of monetary policy as appropriate. Readings on public health. Uh, labor market conditions, inflation pre- pressures, and inflation expectations in financial and international development. So, um, so that's that. Uh, what they do know is that they want to anchor long term inflation expectations down to 2%. Not actual inflation, but expectations so that behavior does not change. To that end, they succeeded with their renewed tough talk, uh, in their dot plot today. I mean, if you put, The Brookings Institute speech two weeks ago next to his press conference yesterday, you'd you'd fire the guy like this is like nonsensical that the same human being could have such a divergent view after two weeks. It's like an emotional day trader. But it's nonetheless what they're trying to do is bring this down, which which they're actually succeeding at doing. Um the five-year inflation break break evens collapsed to 2.25% yesterday. It's probably even lower today. Now approaching 2018 levels up here when it was at 2.12%. Uh they could actually just declare victory and call it a day. But uh they're so scared of being Arthur Burns, but the environment is nothing like it was in the 70s, nor is money supply growth. Nor are any of the factors that led to inflation back then, but uh, apparently they, they've, uh, they're have they missing a few history books over at the Fed. The most important takeaway from their projections above is that they're projecting an anemic growth of 0.5% real GDP for 2023, declining inflation to 3.5% core PCE while simultaneously needing another 75 basis points in hikes. As my friends in Texas like to say, quote, that dog don't hunt. <laughs> and the bond market is calling BS with the two-year yield down to 424 and the 10-year yield uh, down to 344. It was 349 yesterday. It's 344 now. Uh, who will be right? The bond market, which tends to be correct, or the FOMC, which have a history of erroneous predictions? Uh, time will tell, but keep in mind, when their projections change, this is very important, they change quickly and without notice or apology. It's very important to keep in mind. They're not going to say we may think about changing our tactics in two months. They'll you, they'll just they'll just hawk talk you all the way up to the February meeting and then drop a bomb on you and say, by the way, we're done. And the market, you know, will be shocked and uh and, and shocked to the upside instead of the downside next time. But um, we'll take that as it comes. On Tuesday, I posted a summary of Bank America's Global Fund manager survey. Each month, they survey 300 managers with 750 billion AUM. You can find it here. Uh, the five most important points were number one, cash levels are still higher than the pandemic and great financial crisis lows, but now starting to come down. So uh, you see April 2020, the market bottomed in uh, March. Uh, here we are in October in uh, December. Maybe the market bottomed in October, and you can see it rolls over and the market's off to the races, same as 2016, which we've talked about, same as 2012 and 2008, uh, as well as 2003. Now, 75% of managers in the December survey forecast a stronger Chinese economy, up significantly from a net 13% in November, and the most optimistic survey results since May of 2021. Managers are finally starting to add emerging market equities as the dollar falls in the last few weeks. Uh, Managers buying short-term bonds over equities at the bottom, just like they did in 2020 and 2009. So they're overweighting bonds. Everyone's buying T-bills at 4%. But you can see that what they should be buying, like in March 2009 and May of 2020, is equities. Most crowded trades still is long U.S. dollar, short Chinese equities, long oil, long ESG assets, and short EU equities and long T-bills. So I think basically if you took the other side of every single one of these, you're going to outperform in 2023. Uh, now, onto the shorter view for the general market. Uh, retail sentiment is still in the toilet with bullish percent at 23%. Historically, it pays to be a buyer, not a seller at those levels. Fear and greed index is neutral around 60 and the National Association of Active Investment Managers. Let's see if that changed today. They usually publish that midday. Uh, equity exposure is seventy-one. So they got uh, brought back in last week after the sixteen percent rally, and then they got uh, a little smackdown today. We'll see how that plays out in coming weeks. Uh, I think there's still very good hope for for Santa. The Grinch is trying to sneak his way in, but. Uh, he may get thrown out of the uh, out of the sleigh. Uh, moving right along, we've got uh, tech earnings. Uh, top thirty weights uh, cumulative earnings power was revised down 4.81 percent for 2020 uh, 2023 in the last sixty days. But you have to keep in mind. Um, many of these stocks are still down 50%, but the index itself is still down over 30%. So I think that's a lot of that is priced in, uh, this is communication services. It should be the same thing. Yes. Negative 6.33%. So, you know, with many of these names down 50 some odd percent, that makes sense. Um, now while us money stock is collapsing, Chinese money stock is growing, as we saw, up 12% year-on-year versus 11.7% forecasted. Um, uh, So the uh, loan growth is starting to happen slowly but surely. As far as the U.S. numbers, here's the core CPI. Month-on-month was 0.2 versus 0.3. Year-on-year was 6% versus 6.1% estimated uh headline was 7.1 versus 7.3 estimated versus 7.7 last month on month was 0.1 this was the most important number and just to give you a look so you can visualize it i think that's helpful um that'll take a little minute because i got all these tabs up uh was a huge build in crude oil inventories this week 10 million barrels versus a expected draw of three and a half million um and let's see if there's anything else. So last month before they they uh, blinked on um uh, zero covid, so you got some weak chinese numbers, retail sales. This is all pent up with savings. We're going to start to see those come through now in December and more likely January as people get out and about. You'll have some fits and starts because a lot of people start getting sick with covid, so the you know, they'll be sick for a few days and then they'll get back on with their lives and and things will start to boom again. But those savings are going to start to get used. Um, The other thing the market didn't like besides the BOE and uh, uh, the Fed yesterday was the initial jobless claims came in lower than expected uh the continuing claims were in line and higher than the last print that's what i look at that's the most important number but like i said december is always a strong number because people just don't lay people off right before the holidays and you do get seasonal hiring so i wouldn't pay a whole lot of attention to that but i think it was uh all, all the factors coming together at once uh, the market didn't like it new york state empire manufacturing fell off a cliff so the, the slowing is extreme here and the Fed really needs to pay attention because they haven't even started to see the impact of the lags, uh, that they're going to start to see. And I think they should just declare victory, uh, ahead of February and, and call it a day and, uh, and then leave it elevated for a while just to make sure you don't have a resurgence by mistake. But, uh, my guess is cutting by the back half of next year. Modest cutting. I, I do think that given the underlying strength and, and liquidity, even though they, they're withdrawing liquidity, uh, with the quantitative tightening, uh, the amount of money that was pumped in, you've got the infrastructure money starting to hit the market, uh, the build outs, you know, 750 billion, billion or something like that. Um, you can keep the rates elevated for a while, maybe take them down below four and leave it there for a few years. Uh, and I think you'll see a situation like 95 to to 99 uh, when they did a, a similar type of setup. So uh, we'll take it day by day as the data comes in and week by week on this on this hedge fund tips with Tom Hayes. Uh, we've got here's the inflation thing just so you can see peaked uh, in the uh, July print for June and it's just been collapsing ever since. And this is very common once you see m- money supply collapse. This is gonna this is gonna go very very abruptly as you can see. Each downtick is getting more and more precipitous, and that's why it could be as low as 3 by by uh, by May uh, at, at this pace. So we'll do a couple Q&A, uh, ask me anything questions. Uh, first and foremost, Christian Kaufman, thanks for doing this podcast. I've been listening for the last six months or so. You covered a few examples of evaluating companies as potential opportunities. But deciding when to sell is also important. I gather the timing to some extent comes from the investment thesis and uh, that when you sell can be determined by when the expected drivers of value occur. Can you share any advice or point to episodes about how one might go about determining sell points? Well, before you're getting into an investment, you're looking at, at it as a business. I mean, like Buffett said, if you can find a business to hold forever, that's the best holding period because then you never pay taxes. Uh, and, uh, you know, you just compound your wealth. If the business is compounding at 10 or 20%, uh, consistently, why would you ever want to sell it? But, um, for some of the things that we do, which are like special situations, very cyclical businesses like Cooper Standard, um, to a lesser extent, Alibaba, because we're playing the emerging market cycle, um, we have in mind what normalized earnings power would be Uh, and then uh on that basis uh, what is an acceptable multiple so what multiples have they traded at historically and you know somewhere between the low multiple and the high multiple if it gets near the highest multiple or the average multiple on your expected earnings based on the work that you've done going into it then you know exactly where you're going to get out. Uh, and we've talked about that in terms of Alibaba, where we see ourselves getting out at many multiples of where it is today. Uh, JT Investor, Tom, any thoughts on the auto suppliers, seniors unsecured, 2026 bonds, price shown sub 50 when exchange terms are at par? Uh, happy holidays to you and your family. Thank you uh, for all of your thoughtful commentary and analysis. They're not getting... 100 cents on the dollar they're just getting exchanged one year out for exactly what they have uh so that's why it's going to trade where it, where where it is i think once the once the uh transactions are are executed on uh uh both tranches uh, i think then the market will start to look at okay now everyone knows autosar is going to be up next year uh the supply chain is now loosening up dealers inventories are growing incentives are coming on uh, used car demand is going down because the prices are too high new car demand we think is going to stay solid through this softening period in the economy because it's been pent up for two years then by the way you have 750 billion dollars of infrastructure spend that that's all f-150 trucks i mean like you don't even have to and Silverados all day long they're two biggest customers uh you're going to see tons of that the average car age is 13.1 years so uh, as long as you look at the IHS numbers, as long as the, um, uh, production goes up, uh, Cooper Standard's going to have this monster operating leverage, which has been our thesis since day one. Uh, and I think what the company will want to do, one of their first things is going to be to buy as much of that, uh, what will be 2026 will be 2027. If it stays down at those levels after the refinancing is commenced, uh, they they should be in the market buying as much of that and retiring it as quickly as possible because that would just be manna from heaven, a gift from God. So uh, hopefully they'll do that. Um, Zach, huge fan of uh, Prendigas, huge fan of your commentary and weekly podcast It's given me a lot of insights into how I go about my personal investing. My question for you is how big of a catalyst or positive report or late, least preliminary report be with regard to uh baba's pcaob audit that took place in october wish you all the best and merry christmas so we got the the preliminary today uh it was really good news they were trading up early in the morning the whole market rolled over so you're not going to get a pop off of that but i think when the dust settles that should be worth 10 or 15 bucks uh the um the uh Secondary primary listing in Hong Kong in uh, early next year should probably w- be worth another 10 or 15 bucks. But the key is going to be sentiment changing and getting uh, institutional bet- investors slowly back in. And the only thing that's going to get them back in because sentiment is so negative. It's starting to turn is for the price to keep going up. Opinion follows trend. That's going to happen. And then you'll start to see retail sales in China, stimulus in China. Uh, Earnings in China, et cetera, et cetera. It's a miracle to me, the earnings that Alibaba pulled off uh, this year with with all the headwinds that they faced. It just shows the inherent, you know, pent up power of that that business and the moat. And now that things are opening, provided uh, Xi can hold his will for the next couple of months while things get really bad, as people get sick for the first time, et cetera. Uh, it's going to be off to the races like nobody's business. So, uh, yeah, those should be, you know, we should get more than we got today, but, but, uh, I think it's a bad day. Couldn't have happened on a worse day. <laughs> Glad it happened. Couldn't have happened on a worse day, but that's the story of, uh, you know, 2020, uh, 2022, uh, not 2020. That was a whole different story, but okay. Nikolai jo- Johnson, uh, hi, Tom. Uh, hope everything's good. I'd like to hear your thoughts, uh, take on ticker DQ a uh, well-known active Norwegian fund first generated. By the way, they bought Baba last month. Uh, q has announced that they will buy back approximately 20% of all ADRs they have listed in the U.S. since the share price is so extremely low compared to where it traded in China. Companies now almost as large a cash position as the market value. They have zero debt. This is an easy double candidate for the new year. Um, We'll take a quick look. Uh, on balance, Nikolai, I, I don't take country and company. I know that they say they have that much cash and everything else. But as you get to, as the PCO AOB gets to these smaller companies, I think you're going to find some of them are, are hairier than expected. And, uh, you know, the trust level is really, really low there. So Doc New Energy, uh, right there is, you know, not my cup of tea. Let's see. Um, Okay. DQ. I mean, look. If China works, all of these are going to work. But um, let me just. Let's see if I can get, um, all right, while these things are coming up, let me, uh, oh, that is the last question. Okay, so anyone that doesn't want to stay for this, uh, you don't have to, but I'll take some time and answer this gentleman's question uh, because he was nice enough to take the time to write it. And while I'm getting that open, let's go to Keofin. Okay, so this is DQ. Let's take a look at some of the financials. Daikel New Energy Corp. Uh, sells polysilicon and photovoltaic product manufacturer. Used in Ignat's wafers, cells, modules for solar power solutions uh this is not my knitting i mean but let's just look at the financials um i mean this is unreal like if, if this is if these are real numbers um it's staggering the growth and the profit level gross margins are expanding revenues expanding gross profits expanding operating margins are expanding what are these guys going to earn? 22 bucks a share. Uh, trading at $50. That's amazing. The, the The question is going to be the subsidies uh, across the world for clean energy and whether governments are going to be able to afford those subsidies in a slowdown induced by their central banks. Um Free cash flow is growing. I mean, the only thing you have to worry about with these companies in China, like the smaller ones that are not tried and true, is, you know, if they're frauds. But, I mean, these numbers are so good. I mean, you could take a flyer on it. I mean, this this one, I, I wouldn't put, like, 10% of your portfolio, but, you know, 2 3%. Um, but just understand the cyclicality of that business. And it just, it comes in. Um, ebbs and flows of demand for that stuff, and uh you know you're seeing people get out of ESG now because uh, the performance has been down and the opinion follows trend, et cetera, et cetera. so I'm not sure if it's the right time for that, but I'll tell you what if you can get comfort in management, which I don't have time to look up the the um the managers, but I mean, This should work even if even if uh, if it wasn't a smaller business, I'd be more confident in it I, I mean the only issue here is you're taking country and company. The reason we bought Alibaba it was because if Alibaba failed, the whole country would basically be done. Uh, if DQ fails, no one cares uh it has no impact on foreign investment it has no impact on the ability of china to raise uh money in the capital markets. so um objectively if this if this business was based anywhere else in the world i would be pounding the table to buy it um i'd still even consider taking a flyer if i if i was into solar and all that stuff i, I think the financials are great and i think you did good good work but what i would do more research on if i was forced to buy the stock is who is management what's their track record uh what have the other companies they've been involved in done you really got to check the jockeys on this because in china it's the wild west and uh uh you just you know objectively if all these numbers are correct then you know this is this is pretty amazing uh no no question about it objectively speaking so uh i think the answer to your question is nikolai do more work on the people involved see what they've been involved in before has it been successful has it been failures Um, uh, and you know, it might be worth, worth a flyer, but you know, as always, this is opinion, not advice, go to terms at hedgefundtips.com. But I think you found, uh, an interesting thing there worth, worth taking a closer look at. So, uh, with that said, want to thank everyone for tuning in. We'll be back next week, same time, same place. In the meantime, make it a great one. Bye for now.